Well, as I said, we're starting a new series called Conflict. It's timely because you just went through the holidays and spent a lot of time with family. Perfect timing, right? Uh, Those can go together sometimes. So let me start here. What is a bumper sticker that tends to stick in your mind? Uh, For me, it's this one. Mean people suck. Because they do, right? They absolutely do. But if we're honest, that's, that's a partial truth. Uh, the problem is much broader than that. Prideful people suck. Immature people. Tired people. Selfish people. We could go on and on and on because at the end of the day, this bumper sticker is more accurate. People suck. They do. You do. I do. We all do. And, and the problem is that we're down here on earth just making a mess in our interactions with one another, really hurting each other. Now, I know this. I'm kind of an expert on conflict uh, because I've been married 30 years. And we have a great marriage, but it's not been without conflict. It's been handling it well, and we'll be talking about that a little bit today. But uh, I'll give you one aspect of our marriage. It's been interesting at times. So I'm, I'm very neat and organized. If you know me, you know that about me. Our church reflects that, whatever. Shannon has a superpower, maybe a spiritual gift. I'm not sure. She has the spiritual gift of covering horizontal surfaces. Like I'm not, you give her a rubber band and a paper clip, she will come into your house and cover every counter. I don't know how she does. It's like Jesus with the fish and the loaves. It just keeps coming and it's, I don't know. It's a superpower. Uh, so that's led to some conflict, but really the worst part about it is she married a jerk. Uh, and, and so the way he's responded to that, that's probably the bigger problem there. So we cause conflict in our relationships. And uh, I'll talk about marriage some. That's a big context in my life. But the stuff we're talking about today can apply to friendships, extended family, neighbors, coworkers, people in your community group, people around church, whatever. The reality is, the closer you are to somebody, though, the more you can hurt them. So nobody get up. Keep your seats, please. See why in a second. Keep your seats. Go ahead and throw a punch at me. Free punch. Go ahead. Punch me in the face. Throw punch me. I don't care. Doesn't matter. You're not close. But if you get in close, the closer you get, the more you can hurt me, right? And that's the thing. That's true relationally. The closer you get to somebody, the more potential to cause harm and damage in that relationship. That's for sure. Now, that's not only in uh, relationships like marriage, but did you know the number one reason why missionaries leave the mission field and come home? Conflict with other missionaries. What? Yeah. And I'm 30 years into ministry and I've noticed a lot of carnage on ministry teams. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Listen, I'll tell you this as a pastor. Ministry would be easy if it weren't for the people. And I'm a people, okay? I'm a people. I'm part of that problem. So uh, yeah, conflict definitely happens. Listen, it is a fallen world. Assume that as long as we live in a fallen world, conflict happens. So you really end up with two options. The first option is this bumper sticker. It, there's a lot of truth in that. Notice it says nothing about cats, because right? So because you got dogs, people, and then cats. Anyway, so... But, but the reality is to be in relationship with people is going to hurt. And so just retreat and be with dogs all the time. But that's not really practical, is it? So that doesn't work as a solution. So the only solution we're really left with 
get better at handling conflict. We got to get better at this. This ain't heaven. This is a fallen world. And until we go home, conflict happens. So quit living in the fairy tale that the solution is to have zero conflict. That's not it. The solution is to learn to handle conflict healthfully, helpfully, all right? Now, therefore, what if a healthy relationship is not one that doesn't have conflict, but one that handles conflict healthfully? And that's our goal. Think of it as the immune system. Okay, your body has an immune system. The fact that you get viruses is not the problem. Viruses happen. The real problem is when the body's immune system is down and can't handle the virus. That's a big problem. Listen, relational conflict, handling that well, that's the immune system of relationships. It's okay that you get relational viruses. You just want a healthy immune system to be able to deal with those. That's what we're working on. So if we're going to stay relationally healthy, we're going to talk about conflict. Three weeks. Today, we'll talk about how to confront. These will all be how-tos. They're very practical. How to confront. Next week will be how to apologize. And then the third week will be how to forgive. We got to handle conflict well. So we'll jump in. Today is about how to confront. Now, the first thing we got to talk about is why. Why confront at all? Because we, we don't like it, right? I mean, it's awkward. We'd like to avoid it, sweep it under the rug. Can I just skip it? On the other hand, there's those of you who are like, I love conflict. <laughs> and you got another problem, right? Like you just love going to war, right? Like, okay, that's a problem too. So here's Psalm, oh, excuse me, Proverbs 19, verse 11. says, good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Right, so, so already, we're going, look, you don't need to go confront on everything. It's when grace flows and you can just overlook it and move on. That's a glory. It's, that's glory. That's good. But let's be honest. Sometimes you can't. How do you know? When, when you're still thinking about it and dwelling on it, when you're still feeling stuff about that, when it's still impacting how you respond to that person, be honest with yourself. You didn't overlook it. It's still very active in your life. And in that case, you must deal with it. You must confront. Of course, some people would say, well, I, I just want to be a peacemaker. I just, want, I just want peace. So not too long ago, Shannon and I read a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by a guy named Peter Cicero. And he talked in there about being false peacemakers. And I'll give you a long quote from the book, but it's good. Listen to this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. He began by quoting Matthew 5, 9. And then he says this. Most people think that Jesus calls us in this verse to be pacifiers and appeasers who ensure that nobody gets upset. We are to keep the peace, ignoring difficult issues and problems, making sure that things remain stable and serene. When, out of fear, we avoid conflict and appease people, we are false peacemakers. For example, Carl is upset about the behavior of his spouse who constantly comes home late after work. He says nothing. Why? He thinks he is being like Christ by not saying anything. 
although he does give her a cold shoulder. He is a false peacemaker. Pam disagrees with her coworkers at lunch when they slander her boss. She is afraid to speak up. She goes along. I don't want to kill the atmosphere by speaking up and disagreeing, she thinks. She is a false peacemaker. He goes on and gives several other examples. I'll skip to his conclusion. The problem with all these scenarios is the way of true peace will never come through pretending what is wrong is right. True peacemakers love God, others, and themselves enough to disrupt false peace. Jesus models this for us. Jesus was the consummate peacemaker. You read the Gospels, he's confronting people left and right. He won't put up with a false peace. He wants real peace. He modeled that for us. So why confront? Well, first of all, not for false peace. Okay? But, but let me tell you three reasons why to confront. Number one, for healing in the relationship. One of the things Shannon and I learned fairly early on in our marriage is that when you're in conflict, when something's, some tension's going on, you don't get to choose whether or not to communicate. You think you do. And you think, well, I'm just not going to say anything. And you think you won't communicate, right? No, you don't get that choice. The only choice you have is how will you communicate? Will it be healthy? So, for example, right? So you say, what's wrong? Nothing. You okay? I'm fine. And they're storming out and they're slamming doors. You're communicating when you slam doors. You're communicating. You're just not communicating healthfully. Not in a way that will bring healing into that relationship. Why confront? Because we want healthy communication. We want to choose well. A second reason to confront is we not only want healing in the relationship, but growth. Okay? Healing just brings us back to even where we were before the conflict and heals that. Growth grows way beyond that. And one of the things they say about a broken bone is when it heals in that spot, it's actually stronger. And I think that can be true in our relationships when we handle conflict well. I don't know if you've noticed this. You've got some relationships where there's been a big blow up, but you handled it so well, your relationship is actually better. And so conflict handled well can do that. You can end up growing the relationship even stronger after the break. You're better off that you had the conflict. That's a second a third goal is growth for that person who has sinned against you. So it's vision for her, vision for him and what's going on in their lives. After all, this is not only horizontal restoration, this is vertical restoration. Meaning you're not only looking to heal the relationship between you, but the reality is if that person is indeed in sin and they are not repentant, that will frustrate their intimacy with God. And if it goes on long enough, they'll end up under discipline from the Holy Spirit. And we care about that. So this is not just about me and them. This is about them and God. And this is ministry into their lives. So there's three reasons healing in the relationship, growth in the relationship, and then also their individual growth, ministry. That's why I confront. Of course, if we're honest, the reason we usually confront is because I, I, I want to be right. I, I just, I want to be right and I'm ticked. 
So uh, before I get into some very specific how-tos on confrontation, the first thing I want us to do is check our own hearts. Go before the Lord. Start with prayer. And we got to be honest. God, I'm ticked. I want to go get even. But would you change my heart right now? And there's two heart checks I, I want to suggest. The first one is this. Check yourself. Check yourself. Probably familiar with this from out of Matthew chapter 7. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, there are some rare exceptions, very rare, where uh, there's only harm being done from one person in the relationship. But if we're honest, more often than not, it takes two to tango, right? Uh, Most of us, we're all doing harm. There's usually something all of us can own. And Jesus puts the priority here on what you did, not what the other person did to you. And he says, deal with that first. Why? Listen, you're never going to stand before God and give an account for someone else's sin. You're going to stand before God and give an account for your sin. And I want to be much more concerned with the idea that I hurt my wife than that my wife hurt me. So you know what I want to deal with first? My junk. My junk. Check check yourself. Now, another part of checking yourself there is sometimes it's not sin that you've done, but sometimes it's misplaced anger. You're ticked at that person because of other things going on in your life. So you got to look in your own heart. Have I, maybe I haven't been walking very intimately with Jesus over the last couple of days. Maybe there's some sin that I've done in my life and I'm, I'm feeling a ton of shame for that and I'm edgy. Maybe I've got some failure at work. Maybe I'm getting disrespect from some aspect of the world that is just dissing me and I'm feeling that. Maybe I've got conflict with somebody else. Maybe I'm stressed. Maybe I'm lacking sleep. There's all these things going on in my life, and go figure, all of a sudden, I'm fighting with Shannon. Weird, huh? Maybe it's not Shannon. Maybe it's misplaced anger. Maybe it's something going on in my life. So you've got to check yourself. It's the first heart check. The second uh, thing I want you to ask God to adjust your heart on is I want you to relax into the sovereignty of God. Before you ever confront, realize Jesus is on his throne. Eternity is secure. A thousand years from now, this probably won't matter. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but but I'm saying you have nothing to prove. You have nothing to lose. Jesus has you, right? We're all messy. We're all hurting each other. We're all in a growth process. And so this is an opportunity for disciples in Jesus to grow. So you go under the sovereignty of God and you say, okay, Jesus, let's see what you're going to do with this. So you're setting your heart first. Now, we've got reasons why to confront and we did a few heart checks. And now I want to get into some very practicals on how to confront. And for that, we're going to listen to Jesus because he was very clear about it. So we're going to go to Matthew 18, verses 15 and 16. Here's what he says. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault 
between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And now I just want to break that down a little bit. So here's the first part. If your brother sins against you, what, what that means is this is somebody who has actually sinned against you. We're not talking about differences. We're not talking about disagreements. As I've grown over the decades, I have so much farther to go on this, I admit. But one of the things I've grown in some is savoring differences instead of hating them, right? So sometimes I'm uh, having frustration with my wife, and it's not that she sinned against me. It's just that God made her different by design, by his choice. And I want to learn not to be upset. I want to savor the way God has designed her or whoever else it is in your life. Savor those differences. So these things we're talking about today is when somebody is not just different, but they're, they're in sin. They've sinned against you. And what you want to do there, it says, go and tell him his fault. Does that strike your ears like a command? It's because it is. It's a command to go and talk about it. That, that's what's being said there. Now, uh, what we're going to do then is we're not going to just simply hope and assume that it'll take care of itself. No, no. Think of it like a wet towel that gets thrown in the laundry hamper, which is totally okay for like a day. But if you let it go much longer, that thing is going to be nasty, right? So you got to take care of it quick. Go and talk about it. In fact, one of the things uh, that's woven in there, go and tell him. So it means go face to face. Now, granted, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have this option right here. There was no texting about that, right? But I think we still want to maintain their process, not ours. So let's talk about the communication hierarchy. There's better forms and worse forms, right? Sitting down face-to-face is top of the list. You get body language, you get facial expressions, you get intonation of voice, that's awesome. If you can't possibly do that, praise God, today we have video calls. You you can FaceTime and you can still see facial expressions and hear tone of voice, That's, that's the next one down. Down below that would be a phone call because at least then you can hear intonation of voice and emotion. Bottom, but like way down at the bottom is texting, snap, email, whatever, any text form of communication. Listen, text is really, really, really good for wounding relationships, right? Like if you want to give somebody the finger, they have an emoji for that. Perfect. That's what texting is good for. Texting is not good for healing a relationship. If you actually want to heal that sucker, you got to go as high up on that hierarchy as possible. Go, it says, go and tell him his faults. But it also says this, between you and him alone, which means no gossip. Listen, we need to talk to people, not about people. Well, man, hold on. Talk to people, not about people. If we would just apply that, we would be so much healthier as a people. Talk to people, not about people. Now, we have all kinds of excuses for this. 
Have you ever talked to him? He doesn't listen anyway. He's not going to listen. And so we've got our excuses. And so we go and we gossip. Instead of talking to, we talk about. And who do we go to? We go to our buddies. You go to your girlfriend and she's like, oh, he did what? Right? And she, and, and that, or you go to your, your guy friend and like, they always agree with you. Isn't that weird? Yeah, because they only heard your side of the story. Do you know how easy it is to win a one-sided argument? That's why your friend always agrees with you. Guess what? If, if it's your wife, like, let's say, her friend's agreeing with her for the same reason, right? That's why that happens. So if you want to heal it, don't gossip. Now, as Christians, we realize we're not supposed to gossip, and so we don't. What we do is offer prayer requests, <laughs> which are the same thing, right? Listen, y'all, you really need to pray for Shannon. Do you know what she did yesterday? That's just gossip dressed up as a prayer request. Stop it, right? That doesn't heal. Now, sometimes, here's the irony of it. Sometimes the gossip that you're doing is worse than the offense you're gossiping about. And for sure, the gossip is a clear sin. The thing that you're upset about is a maybe. Let's talk to people, not about people, and let's require that of each other. It says between you and him alone, at least at this stage. Now, the next thing it says is, if he listens to you, that's an if. And so you want to increase the probability that you will get a fair hearing for a very tense conversation. How do you do that? Tone matters. If you look in John chapter 1, it says of our Lord Jesus that he came full of grace and truth, both. Jesus didn't just come shouting truth, he came with grace. Those were woven together. You look in Ephesians chapter 4 where it's talking about how to do relationships. And it says, speaking the truth in love. Truth in love. Tone matters. And one of the ways we can get that tone out in a good way is to form questions before you form conclusions. Let me say that again. Form questions before you form conclusions. That can look something like this. It seemed to me, okay, seemed, I'm putting a question there, it seemed to me that you blank. Now fill in the blank, okay? It seemed to me that you are a jerk. No, that's not, that's not it, okay? You want to be very specific, okay? okay? You're a specific jerk. No, that's not it. So you, you, and be specific about what you think that person did to you. And then you say, that really hurt me. If there's going to be healing in the relationship, you're going to need to be honest that that actually wounded you. You got to put that on the table. And then notice the question, am I missing something? You're going to form questions before you form conclusions because you might be missing something. You don't know some of the factors that were going on in the background that made that happen. It might be a misunderstanding. You don't know. So we're going to form questions before we form conclusions. When you do that, by the way, you might need to allow some time and space for the person to go, hey, can I have some time to think on it? I need to process this. Or you might need to prompt that. I need to, with Shannon, I need to prompt that. I need to say, baby, you need some time to, to think this over. Because when we were first married back in 1992, I won the arguments. I wasn't right. 
Know this, just because you win the argument doesn't mean you're right. Turns out my wife is just wired in a way. She needs time and space to process. So you might need to come off that and go, hey, here's some space. Why don't you think about it? Let's circle back. Unless your goal is just to be right. Or maybe your goal is to heal the relationship. You see that? In fact, let's talk about that. Next, it says, you have gained your brother. There's the goal. To gain your brother. To gain him back. To gain her back. Or uh, Galatians 6.1 puts it this way. Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. So there's the tone again, but notice the goal. It's restoration. The goal is to restore, not to be right. You want restoration, not vindication. So there's vision, vision for their growth, vision for their healing, vision for their vertical restoration, vision for the healing of the horizontal relationship. There's all kinds of vision going into this. That's the goal, not to be right. Unless, listen, if the goal is to be right, then you two are opponents. I win, she loses. She wins, I lose. We're opponents. If the goal is to be right... If the goal is to heal the relationship, we're teammates in this. And so one of the things Shannon and I learned to do is to take it from the kitchen to the couch. What I mean by that is it's it's turned out for us, like a lot of the arguments would be in the kitchen. I don't know why we'd be crossing there and some, and so what we would end up doing is leaning back on counters across from each other. We're opponents. Think of football. The person across from you is your opponent, and I win as they lose. If they win, I lose. So what we would do is we'd leave the kitchen. We'd go sit on a couch together, shoulder to shoulder, because we're on the same team. We win together or we lose together. We're teammates in this. Clarify the goal. The goal is to gain your brother, to heal that relationship. It's restoration. Now, it uh, won't always go well. And this passage acknowledges that. It says, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. Which means if you're stuck, don't give up. Don't quit. Get help. Get help. Your responsibility is to confront in love. Their response is their responsibility. Now, if you approached it poorly and you caused more damage by how you confronted, own that. You're more concerned with your sin than the other person's. Own that. Clean that up. But if not, seek help. Now, caution here. By seeking help, you're not marshalling your army to march against them. Right? Like you're trying to get more people on your side, uh, on your team, right? Like we have a term for that. It's called junior high. Stop, right? Don't do that. That's not it. Repent of that. This is not team building. This is not gossip. This is going to somebody else and saying, listen, we are really at odds and we've tried, but it's just getting worse. Would you please sit down with us and help us heal this thing? Help us navigate it. That's what you're doing. And probably with the knowledge of the other person in the relationship saying, hey, I'm going to go ask so-and-so. 
to sit down with us. It might be a pastor that sits down with you or an elder. could be somebody in your community group, maybe a Christian mentor. might be a therapist, might be a counselor. We've got great recommendations for those on our website. You might need somebody else to sit down with you, and this passage encourages that if you are stuck. Now, let me give a caveat here, because there are a lot of various situations. These are broad strokes, great principles. These are from Jesus. But uh, relationships are so complex, and sometimes you got to have a little bit different pattern. I can't mention them all. I want to mention one, abuse. Abuse is a different game. When abuse is going on, you need to jump right to the go get outside help. What, what you can't, you, no, nope, just go talk about it. <laughs> um, to heal the relationship, you need to be in a posture, a position of safety. And when you're being abused, you're not. And so you need to go get outside help. So first you're safe. And then with that person, you're going to make a plan on how we can approach this problem together. And you need that outside counsel. And here's why. Because of battered woman's syndrome, as it's been called in the past, and the idea that, listen, if you're confronting, it is very likely that your abuser will apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And then it'll hit you again. And you'll be stuck in a cycle with that. And so you need outside help to say enough. We got to heal that one for real. So you got to get safe and you got to get real help, outside help, all right? That's a unique situation worth mentioning in the midst of confrontation. All right, that aside. Now, you've got a paradigm of how to confront. I want to give you three tips with this. Number one is this, stay on point. Uh, the reason I say it, because you know how it goes. You say, hey, uh, it seems to me that you did this. Yeah, well, you know what you do? Right? The reverse counterattack. I know none of you have ever done that, right? Right? So, and then, and then you reverse counter and they reverse counter. Now you've got this daisy chain of attack, counterattacks. And by the time you're done, you can't even remember what started it, right? You ever been there? Yes, stay on point. <laughs> stay on point. So if they counterattack, what you might want to do in that moment is say, listen, that might be a really valid concern. And I want to talk about that with you. Can we bookmark that, talk about it later, and continue talking about what I just brought up? Stay on point. Deal with one thing at a time. Unless you want to fight about fighting. That's fun. That's fun. Stay on point. Second tip, go to sleep. Why do I say this? Well, sometimes you're fighting, and it's late. This is probably particular to a marriage, but uh, it's late and, and you're, you're really fighting, and you're tired, and, uh, and so should you just go to sleep? No, no. Why? Well, Ephesians chapter 4 says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil an opportunity. So imagine young Rick and Shannon as a married couple uh, back in 1992, and it's 1.32 in the morning. We're bleary-eyed. We're tired. The thing we really need to do is get a good night's sleep in order to handle it, but we don't want the devil to get us, right? And so we can't go. We got to deal with it. Listen, that is a misunderstanding of that verse. It says nothing about letting the sun go down on your conflict. It says don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's right. And so what you might need to do in that situation is say, listen, honey, I know I'm ticked. I know you're ticked too. Understand, I get it. But I love you and I am confident we will work this out. I know we will. 
We always have. We will again. Uh, I think maybe what we need to do is go to sleep, get a good night's rest, and circle back and talk about this tomorrow. Can we do that? Listen, I just let the sun go down on my anger. Like, boom, anger's gone, right? I let that get out of there. And I've affirmed the relationship. I've injected hope. I've said we'll talk about it tomorrow. Now let's go get the rest we need to handle this thing well. Sometimes you just need to go to sleep. And then third tip for you. Remember there are always three of you involved. It's really easy to lose that. But maybe you've heard this verse before. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Who's heard that verse? All of us. Ad nauseum, right? Right? Where is it? Matthew 18. In the very passage we've been breaking apart this morning, when it's talking in the Bible how to handle conflict and confrontation, Jesus lands the plane with this right there. That's the context. The context is not about prayer. The context is about conflict. And what, why two or three? Because sometimes it's just me and Shannon. Sometimes we can't solve it. We need to get outside help. Sometimes there's two. Sometimes there's three. Jesus is right there. What's he saying? What's he saying? When in conflict, remember there are three of you there. God's right there. How would your tone change? How would your approach change? If you imagine the person that you're so upset about, imagine Jesus standing there with his arm around him. Would that shift things a little bit? Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Jesus is right there. All right, let me, let me close with this. Let's be the church in all of her glory. We're not going to be able to retreat to dogs. Okay, we're going to have relationships and therefore conflict happens. doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. In a fallen world, conflict happens. So how is it that Christians, the disciples of Jesus, how can we stand out? By handling it well. Let's follow the pattern given to us in God's word. Let's bring glory to our God. Let's heal and grow those relationships. And let's be a healing influence in our world. After all, listen, listen. We're children of the gospel, right? What's the gospel? Conflict resolution. There was a broken, wounded relationship and Jesus came. He went right to his brother. And we're children of that gospel. And so we want to go live that gospel out in the world. Amen? Let me pray. Father, uh, we admit before you that we have caused incredible carnage by hurting others and we've been hurt by others and it seems like to be alive is to have hurting relationships. And would you make us as your followers better at handling that? To check ourselves and to submit your sovereignty to really have a heart for healing and growth and ministry to that person, to communicate healthfully that those things would heal. Father God, would you just make us in awe of your gospel and all that you did to heal that hugely wounded relationship with us, and it was all our fault. And yet you came and you communicated. Let us be like you, and I pray in Christ's name, amen.